Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and we'll start reading at verse, we'll just read verse 27, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll read verses, start at verse 18 there. So good to see all of you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Why don't we welcome our visitors today? Amen. We're glad that you're here. Or our guests. They are our guests. They're not necessarily just visitors. Amen. Visitors come and see and maybe never return, but guests uh, are welcome anytime. Amen. So we're glad that you're here this morning and uh, glad for everybody that's come to be with us in the house of the Lord. And I uh, pray that the, the Lord would touch you in a supernatural way. Uh, bless your life. Bless your day today. Uh, minister to you in whatever capacity that's necessary uh, to bring his will to pass in your life. That's our prayer today. Amen. How many want that for their life? Amen. And if you're here this morning and you have a need in your life, I, I, I feel like that you came to the right place today. I feel like the Lord is going to move uh, in such a way uh, that he's going to meet every need in the house. Got one yes, sir. Somebody say amen. Uh, I believe whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, uh, whatever area of your life that's that's uh, failing, I believe that the Lord can touch you today. Do you believe that? If you believe it, say amen. The Bible says that the promises of the Lord are yea and amen. The preacher is the yea. There you go. There you go. The preacher is the yea. Amen. When the promise of God is spoken, whether it's through the Logos word of God or the rhema, a working of the spirit of God, our response should be amen. Our amen is the fingers with which we reach out and grab what's being spoken. Amen. And when, so when the, when, when the word is going forth and it's coming to you personally and you can feel it impacting your heart in your life, it's your responsibility. Say, it's my responsibility to reach out with your amen and get what God has for you. Somebody say amen. That means so be it. I receive it. What he says, I receive it. I receive healing. Come on, let that be your word right now. I receive healing. I receive a touch in my emotions. I receive a touch in, in my mind. I receive a touch in my body. I receive a touch on my finances. I receive a touch for my family. I receive that uh, a spirit of reuniting to my family. Come on, I receive it today. And in whatever area, Lord, you want to operate and move in my life today, I receive it. I'm open for it. I'm reaching for it today. Somebody say amen. There you go. I think you woke up. Amen. Uh, 
You know, God will never do for us what we don't want him to do. Amen. We have to reach out and get it. Somebody say, reach out and get it. <laughs> I'm preaching, sneaking a preach, Luke. Sneaking a preach. 1827. And he said. <laughs> what a powerful scripture. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen. amen. Good amen. I'm going to read it again. And if you didn't have an opportunity to say amen, you better say it this time. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Amen. 1 mm. Corinthians 1. Start reading at verse 18. the Lord for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. You know, there's, a, there's people that are a lot smarter than I am. Don't you dare say amen to that. He's my brother, my, my blood brother. I guess he's allowed. Amen. But being smart or being wise in this world won't get you anywhere with God. In fact, sometimes our intellect, our mind can get in the way of what God wants to do. Somebody say amen. Where is the wise? Question mark. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. Somebody say it pleased God. By the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If you're going to believe, it's going to be because somebody preached to you. How shall they believe what they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall he preach except he be sent? Amen. Thank God for the preachers. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, somebody say, but we, preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Amen. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Jesus makes the impossible possible. Somebody say, Jesus makes the impossible possible. Amen. Let there be a shout right now. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and just shout unto him. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lord, have your way in this house this morning. Lord, we give you high praise in the house of the Lord. We magnify you for who you are, God. You're a wonder-working God. You're a miracle-working God. And with you, in, in you, all things are possible. And we give you a praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Jesus makes the impossible possible. Have you ever been in an impossible situation? Amen. Uh, have you ever been uh, faced with something that you did not have the power to overcome? Amen. Life is filled with situations that we don't have the power within ourselves to change. Amen. Impossible, the, the very definition of the words means not able to occur or to be done. There's no chance that it will happen. Amen. Have you ever said that, uh, speaking of a situation, there's uh, this is impossible. There's there's no chance that this will be done. There's uh, there's no chance that this will happen. Amen. Uh, ever been in a in a in a sport event where uh, or seen a sport sporting event where it seemed like one side was destined to win and the other side was destined to lose. Amen. I believe that life is filled with situations that are impossible. Amen. I believe that we uh, within ourselves do not have the ability to overcome some of the things that we will face in this life. Somebody say amen. amen. We can, there are a lot of things in our lives that we can change. Amen. There's a lot of things that, that, that we do have the power over. Amen. Uh, we, we have the power over our choices. We have the power over our daily choices. What we choose to do, what we choose to put our hands to do, what we choose to watch, what we choose to hear, what we yield our members, servants to obey. Come on. Whatever we yield ourselves to, we have power over that. Amen. We have a power to decide or to choose which way we'll go. Amen. We have the, the ability to choose what we'll do with our time. Amen. We, there's a lot of things that we do have power over. Amen. There's a lot of things that we do have a power to change. 
Amen. Too many times we worry about things we can't change and we forget about the things that we can change. But I believe that some of us this morning, if you'll take care of the things that you have power over, if you'll do what you can change, come on, if you'll change what you can change, if you'll care about it the way that God cares about it, then you'll find an interaction with the Lord where he will intervene in your situation and he will help you with the situations that you you cannot change. But I just want to know this morning, do you care about your life as much as God cares about your life? Do you care about your destiny as much as God cares about your destiny? Do you care about your soul as much as God cares about your soul? Proof that you care is that you're going to do what you can do in order to change your circumstance. Why don't somebody lift your hands to the Lord and say, I'm going to take care of what's under my power. In the name of Jesus. Amen. But there are a lot of things that are outside our control. Somebody say amen. There are situations that arise in our lives that we cannot change. Amen. Impossible situations. Situations that we don't think will ever change or will ever be altered. Amen. It can be a number of things that we're facing this morning that's seemingly unchangeable. But I want to tell you this morning that everything in this life is temporal. Come on. Everything in this life is changeable. It may seem too dark and that you'll never see the light of day. It might seem like that it will never change because you've, you've had the situation so long. But understand today that everything that you can see with your eyes, everything that you can experience with your body this morning is temporal. That means it's changeable. And it tells me anything that's temporal has to be subject to that which which is eternal. Amen. Anything that is changeable, that is temporal, is subject to the eternal word of God. There are things that are eternal. How many know that the things that you can't see are eternal? God's word is eternal. His promises are eternal. His mercy and his grace is eternal. The power of his spirit is eternal. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ is eternal. Amen. Just because you haven't had relief to this point doesn't mean that it will not change. Amen. I come here with the, with the task this morning to try to convince everybody under the sound of my voice that the situation you're in, though it seems impossible, it's not impossible. Amen. Though it seems unchangeable, it's not unchangeable. Come on, though it seems like the dark, the darkness is too dark, that you'll never see the light of day. I come to preach this morning that there is a dawning of a new day. There is a new day ahead of you with God. Amen. There's one thing missing from the equation. Yeah, you have a situation that's seemingly impossible. You have an enemy against you that's seemingly unbeatable. You have a darkness that's settled upon you that you can't see your way through. But you're forgetting one thing. When you add Jesus to any circumstance, it changes. When you add Jesus to your sickness, it'll be healed. When you add Jesus to your family, you'll have peace. When you 
you add Jesus to your sin, it'll be forgiven. Somebody say, add Jesus. He's the greatest change agent. Add him to anything and it changes. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were, were placed in a garden that was a perfect place. It was prepared for them specifically. Amen. Everything that was in the garden was for them to partake of and to enjoy. Amen. They, at this point in time, excuse me, they had not experienced pain. They had not experienced sickness. They had not experienced uh, um, greed. They had not experienced envy and strife and jealousy and anger. Amen. It was a perfect place. Somebody say it was a perfect place. Amen. It was a place where there, there was no sin. Somebody say no sin. No thought of sin. Amen. No, uh, no, uh, no evil thoughts in the mind. Zero. Amen. Can you imagine living a life without sinful thoughts? Come on, can you imagine that? Can you imagine living on this earth and, and not having to deal with the contrariness of your flesh? Amen. To me, it's unfathomable because we as, as fallen human beings experience every day of our life uh, acts of submission where we have to submit to the word of God and the will of God and the plan of God. Somebody say amen. And even though that we're saved in our spirit, we have to admit that our bodies don't want to do all of the right things. Come on. Our bodies have appetites that are ungodly. Come on. That are sinful. We want to do things that are ungodly. Amen. We have appetites and desires that pull on us and drive us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. Amen. In our minds, even though our spirits are saved, our minds want to think its own thought. It wants to do its own thing. It wants to have that which goes with the appetites of the body. So Paul said, I bring my body under subjection to the will of God. I have to bring it under. I have to make a conscious effort to bring myself under subjection to the will of God because it don't want to do right. It don't think right. It don't act right. So I, as a saved being, I have to exercise my right to choose and bring my body under subjection to the will of God. Amen. That's why, uh, that, that's why Paul said, he's talking about the, uh, an unsanctified, an unsaved man, somebody that, that, that's saved in their spirit but still hasn't conquered uh, their flesh or hasn't conquered or had victories in their mind. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Trying to say that there's things that are trying to be exercised in my body that I don't want to take place. I don't want to happen, but it's sin that's working in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing my mind into captivity to the law of sin. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Let me tell you who's going to deliver you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the power of the cross. It's the power of the blood. It's the working of the Spirit of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. They were living in a perfect place. 
But he gave them one commandment, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat of that, you shall surely die. Bump your neighbor and say, they shall surely die. When God speaks, there used to be a commercial that says, when E.F. Hutton speaks, Everybody listens, right? Talking about the telephone. <laughs> All the good financials here. Well, I was like five when that commercial was out, so. When God speaks, we should take notice. Amen. When the Lord is speaking, we should sit up and take notice and try to understand what he's saying. He told Adam, he said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Thou shalt surely die. Amen. Eve started hanging around the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says that the, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Amen. How many know, we, we know who the serpent is. It's Satan. Amen. It's, it's, the, it's that fallen angel. Come on. Uh, that fallen one that, uh, that wanted to rise above the, the, the throne of God, wanted to be like unto the Most High God. He will ascend, he said. I will ascend. I will ascend above the clouds of the, 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 the clouds of the north. I will ascend unto the mountain of God. I will, basically what he's saying is, I'm going to be God. Amen. I'm going to be worshipped as God. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The moment that he started thinking that he was going to overtake the throne of God or be like unto God that he fell from heaven and a third of the angels fell with him. Amen. They are that they were cast into the earth. They were cast into a place that they cannot get free from. Amen. A fallen nature. And so he's more subtle than any beast of the field. It is his desire. The Bible tells us that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. He's not coming just to have a, a tea party with you. The, 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 the thief doesn't come in just to sit down and commune with you and, and make an acquaintance and, and have a relationship with you. He doesn't come in to be your friend. When the thief breaks in, it's his idea to steal, to kill, and to destroy. His motive is to take what you have to destroy your life and ultimately destroy your soul in hell. He started talking to Eve. Hath not God said that you'll eat of every that you can eat of every tree in the garden? Hath not God said that 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 you can partake of it? She said, "Well, He said that we could eat of all the trees, but not not this tree specifically." Hmm. Well, what do you mean, serpent? Well, he knows that if you eat of this tree, that you'll be like him. That you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Amen. He's, 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 he's trying to, to convince her that partaking of that which God forbids is going to make her better. That it's going to further her life, 
The world will try to teach you that partaking of their ways, doing things their way, that it is going to, it is going to, it's going to progress your life. It is going to make you better. It is going to, to, to make you an even smarter person. Come on, doing things the way that they want you to do them will bring forth the type of satisfaction for your life that you desire to happen. But I want to tell you this morning, just like it was in the Garden of Eden, it is a lie. Amen. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't listen to what he's saying. There's a way that seemeth right unto the man. There's a way that we want to go. There's things that we want to do. There's a way that seems right to me. I want to handle situations according to my own heart and according to my own intellect and how I feel in my heart. But finish that verse. It says the, the end thereof are the ways of death. If we follow the appetites and the intellect of our mind and of our flesh, it will ultimately lead us down a path that will lead to death. And the wages of sin are death. Somebody say it's death. Amen. Amen. When you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And so uh, Eve, she said, it's a tree to make one wise. And she saw that it was one that was good for food. And, and it was one desirable. Amen. It was, it was appealing. Amen. It was it was appealing to the eye, and it was a, it would feed the the appetite that I wanted, and it was one that would that would bring wisdom to my life and bring knowledge to my. It would it would add to me something that I'm missing. Come on, I'm telling you that tree of knowledge of good and evil could not add anything to her life. It could only take away from her life. Come on, somebody. It, it could only take away the eternal life that she was living in in that moment. But the Bible says that she made a conscious effort that she's going to partake of that fruit. Now, we, we, we look at it as an apple, but it doesn't say it was an apple. It was a, it was a piece of fruit. Mm. Man, that feels good. Man, that... Mm. God was holding back on me. Mm, that's, that tastes good. That feels good. That's, that's right what I was missing. Mm, you know, there's pleasure in sin for a season. said that, that we would die. That's the lie. That was, it was a lie the whole time. Here. Why don't you take a bite? The Bible says that Adam, because he hearkened to the voice of his wife, and ate of the fruit, the curses fell on him. Amen. It wasn't till Adam ate of the fruit 
It wasn't until Adam partook of it because the Bible tells us that God commanded Adam. God commanded the man when he made him, don't eat of that tree. Amen. But the woman that was with him ate of the tree. She was his concern. Come on. How many know that she was under his care? The fact that she ate of that tree was a was an indication that he did not clearly speak to her uh, with the uh, the way that he should have about the command of God. Amen. But she convinced him to go contrary to the word of God and eat of that tree. And the moment that the moment that he ate of the tree, all of a sudden there was a change. Amen. They didn't feel it immediately. But the voice of God came calling unto Adam in the cool of the day. Adam, where art thou? When he heard the voice of God, he ran and hid from God. And he got fig leaves and covered himself. The Bible tells us up until that moment, they didn't even understand that they were naked. But after they had sinned and shame and sin and guilt had had fallen upon them, now all of a sudden they understood that they needed a covering. And so they covered themselves to try to cover up their nakedness. Can you imagine stepping out before the Lord? Uh, Every day they commune in the cool of the day. But that day, Adam's hiding something. Amen. That facade that he's putting out there to try to cover up. And he said, uh, where were you? I was calling for you. Well, I, I, you know, when I heard your voice, I was afraid. Now I hid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree that I commanded you not to? Well, the, that, you know that woman that you gave me? It's her fault. I didn't want to eat of the tree, but she brought it to me. And she ate of it, and I, so I ate of it. Right? So he looks at the woman. Is this true? She says, that serpent... Right? Trying to cast the, the blame aside, trying to trying to kick the blame uh, to somebody else. That the reason that I did what I did was somebody else's fault. That it's it's somebody else's cause. It's because of what they did to me, or or, or what he did to me, or what she did to me, or what they did to me that caused me. Uh, how many know that when we stand before God, He's not going to ask us why we did what we did necessarily. It's not going to be somebody else's fault, but that sin that that's hanging upon us is going to be our responsibility. And so I don't care this morning necessarily about why it happened. We need to understand that if we have sin in our lives, it's our responsibility. It is our responsibility to own it, to own up to it. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's my responsibility to own up to my sin and my wrongdoings. And the only way that I can be forgiven is to confess it. Somebody say confess it. 
passed down the curses. I'm spending too long with Adam and Eve. He passed down the curses to, to uh, uh, what had happened, the, the, the consequences of the sin. How many know sin has consequences? Amen. It brings up every time that we do something contrary to God's word. Wrapped up in it is a seed of death. Somebody say death. The Bible tells us that, that in one man, de death, sin was passed upon all men, or death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. In one man, Adam, how many know in one decision that Adam made, death passed upon all men. Every man and woman born through the loins of human beings, they are going to have sin in their world. They're going to have sin in their heart. The, David said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Amen. I don't, when we're born into this world, we're born with a fallen mind and with a fallen spirit and with flesh that wants to do wrong. Amen. But how many know that after they sinned in the Garden of Eden, that God immediately began to speak to the serpent and he began to talk about redemption. He began to talk about that, 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 that child that's going to come. It's going to be the seed of a woman and he's going going to bruise, the, the, the devil's going to bruise his heel and his heel is going to bruise his head. He's going to tread upon the head of the serpent. How many know that he was prophesying about that child Jesus that would come, who would be Emmanuel, who would be God with us, who holds within him a scepter of righteousness and the power of God was with him. Somebody say amen. That even though that death passed upon all men, the Bible says that God always had a plan. God did not react to what had happened. The Bible tells me that it was planned from the foundation of the world. That the, the Lamb of, was, of God was slain from the foundation of the world. That tells me the moment that he created this thing, the moment he spoke it into existence, it was already written in the book. It was already in the plan and the purpose of God. He knew what would befall man in the Garden of Eden. And he knew what his plan would be to restore lost mankind. And I want to tell you, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God except through him. Amen. Jesus said, I am the door that leads to the sheepfold. Everything that God is, is wrapped up in Jesus. Paul said in the book of Colossians that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of every creature. Come on. By him were all things made, principalities and powers and might and dominion. And he is above every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come, the power of God, the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. All the power and the, the, the authority and the dominion of the most high God is in the hands of Jesus Christ. It's in the hands of the one called Jesus. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord. Ah. Jesus was fully man and he was fully God that's hard for us to understand amen that's hard for us to comprehend he was fully man but he was fully God
I just got a new revelation. Became a little more clear. I can see you now. Man. Somebody say fully man and fully God. He was born to a woman. How many know that, that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary? And when that child that was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the Bible says, the angel told Mary, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Amen. It was the, it was the plan of God to robe himself in flesh and to walk as a man. Come on. How I many know he lived as a man? He got tired like a man. He got hungry like a man. He was faced with all the temptations that men are faced with. The Bible says that we have not a high priest which can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. For he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Amen. He was tempted in every way that men are tempted, but he overcame it. Amen. He overcame the sin. He walked above the sin. He lived above the sin. Don't fall prey to the doctrine that Jesus sinned just like we do. That he knows what we go through. No, no, no. The Bible tells me he lived above of sin. He, he was tempted in all points like we are in every area of life that we're tempted, but he overcame it. How could he ever pay the price for sinful man if he wasn't a sinless creature? Come on. How many know he had to be a spotless lamb? He had to be without spot and without blemish. Somebody say without spot and blemish. Lived a perfect life. Took that humanity, amen, submitted to the will of God. He had to submit to the will of God. As he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, the Bible says that he was, he was heavily burdened. He was in anguish in his spirit because he knew what he was about to encounter. And he prayed. And I believe it's his, his flesh praying. How many know he had a fleshly man that had to submit to the plan of God and the purpose of the Lord? If this cup can pass from me, so be it. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. He came to his disciples. They were sleeping. He said, could you not wait with me one hour? Went a little further. Prayed again. If this cup can pass from me, so be it. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. Came and found the disciples still sleeping and told them, go ahead, sleep on. The hour is upon us. He went a little further, prayed again. If this cup can pass from me, so be it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. What was he doing? He was bringing that flesh man under subjection to the will of God. Amen. He had to submit to the cross that was before him. He had to submit to the death 
stuff that was about to befall him. He had to, he had to willingly go to the cross. He said, they don't take my life, but I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it back again. Come on. They didn't have power enough to take his life from him, but he submitted to the cross, even the death of the cross, that redemption might be available for all mankind. The cross is representative of a, it's a turning point. Somebody say X marks the spot. It's got one post that is vertical. And it's got one post that is horizontal. Amen. The cross is the place where deity meets humanity. Come on. It's the cross, it's the place where the God in heaven dealt with humanity. Come on. It's the place where, where that which is of God meets that which is of man. Amen. It was a place where death meets life. Come on, somebody. It's a place where sickness meets healing. It's a place where the impossible meets the possible. Come on. It's a place where the power that's above all meets that which is waning and that which is in a deficit. Come on. It's the place where with God deals with mankind. And so when Jesus submitted himself, how many know they nailed him to the horizontal part and lifted him up and hung him on that vertical part, submitting to the plan and the will of God for all of mankind. He had to die on the cross. He had to give his life so that we could have life and life more abundantly. Somebody say amen. Just as by one man, death entered in. Also by one man, life entered in. Righteousness and life entered in because Jesus died on the cross. It's at the cross where the power of God is made manifest. That even though he committed no sin, he became sin. That we might know the power of God. He took up on him the, the sins of all mankind and let his body bleed out on the cross with precious, sinless blood. And how many know that there was an hour that he gave up the ghost? Somebody say he gave up the ghost. His physical body stopped breathing. And his physical body died. Hanging on the cross, the soldiers come to check and see if he's dead. And they thrust a sword into his side. And blood and water comes out. And now he's dead. They take him down. How many know the Bible says that there was an earthquake? <laughs> the moment he died, 
there was an earthquake and darkness fell. It was like midnight at noonday. Settled upon all the earth. Can you imagine? They took him down. They took him to a tomb. They buried him. As the mother of Jesus is sitting at the cross and Jesus looked down from the cross before he died, he told John, he said, son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. Saying, you need, to, you need to grieve with one another and lean on each other. But from that very moment, the Bible says that Mary went home. She left Jesus there to die. Can you imagine what his, the believers thought in that hour that Jesus died on the cross? Can you imagine? Are you all still with me? Can you imagine Peter and James and John? They're, they're hiding out in dark places trying to hide from the guards because they were followers of Jesus. And they, if they can kill him, they can kill us all, they probably thought. Amen. It seemed like an impossible situation. Darkness didn't just cover the earth. It, no doubting it covered their spirits. Amen. It, it covered their, uh, their, their ability to comprehend, their ability to move forward. How, where do we go from here? Where, where, where do we go from this moment? Our Lord is dead. Where do we go? He's buried in the tomb. He's in a sealed tomb. Uh, it's over. Somebody say it's over. It is 100% over. It is over. It's impossible. We don't have any place to go from here. What we thought was going to take place didn't take place. What we thought was going to occur didn't occur. We thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government. We thought that he was going to set himself on the king, on in Pharaoh's place, in the emperor's place, uh, uh, the Caesar. We thought that he was going to overthrow Caesar and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, but it didn't happen the way that we thought it. And now now Jesus is dead. Where do we go from here? No doubt they begin, they begin to doubt the plan of God, the purpose of God, the word of God. Where do we go from here? Because it's seemingly over. Because when death falls upon you, it gives you a, a, a darkness. It gives you a hopelessness. It gives you a mindset that I can't go anywhere from here and I can't overcome it. But how many know that the prophetic word had already been spoken. The word had been spoken and written from the foundation of the world. And even though his fleshly body died, there was something stirring in that tomb. There was a word of God that still hadn't come to fruition. But before he ascended, the Bible says he first descended into the lowest parts of the earth and preached the captives free. Those that had died before Jesus came were held in a place where he could go to them and preach to them and they could believe the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. But on the third day, he came back into that tomb and picked up his body and the angel kicked that stone out of the way and Jesus stepped forth out of the stone with resurrection power, with power over death, power over sickness, power over every power of the enemy. 
Amen. When he overcame death, he overcame everything. But how many know that the death could not hold him? That's why Paul said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Because Jesus Christ has won the victory. He has won the victory. He's paid the price, and he has the power of God in his right hand. All power in heaven and in earth is in Jesus. All power. All power in heaven and in the earth is in Jesus Christ. God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Understand today that he has all power in his hand. All power. All power. It's through Jesus where lepers are restored. It's through Jesus where sicknesses are healed. Come on. It's through Jesus where sin is forgiven. We need a revelation on the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care where you've been or what you've done, what sin you've committed, what you did last night. The power of the blood is powerful enough to make you white as snow, to walk and wash away the very effects of your sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Death tries to destroy us. But how many know the life of God is available to us? I can't heal anybody. Everybody said amen. I can't redeem anybody. I can't save anybody. But Jesus can. The Bible tells me that where two or three are gathered together, it's Jesus that said this, in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Amen. He's in the middle of it. You can't see him this morning, but he's here. How many know he rose from the dead? The witness of the resurrection. Come on. I know she's cute. Everybody's eyes went. My chop liver. Get outside. I do that a lot, don't I? 
sidetracked mine. The power of the cross, the power of the preaching of Jesus Christ, it is the power of God. Because how many know that we believe in the death, the life, the death, the burial, resurrection, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The preaching of the cross is the power of God. This is not a myth. This is, this is not a, a, an old fable that was told. The men that, that wrote these scriptures were actual men, and they were eyewitnesses of his glory. 500 of them at one time saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. All the disciples were sitting in one place after the, uh, they had heard that he had resurrected, but they had not saw him yet. And they're sitting and they're, they're, they're talking about all the things that they had heard. And all of a sudden, here he comes. Walks right in through the door. The door wasn't even open. Walked right in. Sat with them. Talked with them. They could see the nail scars in his hands and in his feet. Read it. It's, 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 a, it's a glorious story. He told Thomas. He said, Thomas, because Thomas was having a hard time believing. He saw what they did to the Lord. He said, behold, my hands, my feet. Reach forth your hand. And put it in my side right here. Because spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. And he said, blessed are your eyes, Thomas. For you see. But blessed are those. I believe he was talking about us. Blessed are those that don't see. Yet believe. Amen. I want to tell you this morning that he is resurrected. Come on. He's not in the tomb in Jerusalem anymore. He's not dead in the grave. They tried to kill him, but they can't. He said, kill this destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again amen they tried to destroy him but in three days he rose from the dead with power in his hand he is resurrected he is ascended up on high he has sprinkled blood upon the mercy seat he has sent back the comforter which is the Holy Ghost he said which will testify of me which will bring revelation of the knowledge of who I am come on how many know that all of that has taken place and we have the ability to access heaven through the name of Jesus Christ and through the price that was paid on the cross. Stand with me all around the building. Jesus makes the impossible possible. Overcoming the greatest enemy that man faced, which was death. I mean, no, the greatest enemy was death. Death is more than just this body dying. It's eternal death. It's, it's a way of life. 
It's a mindset. Do you know sickness is a result of sin? Now, I'm not saying because you're sick that you specifically have sinned the way that God's going to, that God allowed sickness. God, it's not God that did it. Sickness is a result of the sin that was committed in the Garden of Eden. Sickness, all sickness is, is a prolonged death. Because if you're sick very long, what's going to happen? You're going to die. Right? But how many know that when he had power over death, he had power over everything connected to it? If we look around our world, we see the results of sin. The result of the first sin. We read in the paper or see on the news the things that people do. These mass shootings. Killing and abusing children. Uh, the depravity. The, the chaos. The confusion. The depression. The poverty. It's all a result of sin. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. But when Jesus overcame death, he overcame sin and the, and the effects of all sin. Somebody say amen. That through his name, I can access the power of God that is greater than any effect that death has. Come on. It's greater than sickness. Greater than disease. It's greater than addiction. Come on. It's greater than, than divorce. Somebody say amen. It's greater than the lifestyle of your lost loved one. It's greater. The power of the cross is greater because it's the picture of the cross that gave us victory over the impossible. I want to tell you today, because what Jesus did, that which was out of your reach, that which was untouchable, that which you could not obtain or could not access has become available to you through the blood of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and here's the best part you don't even have to really do anything but believe him you don't have to, 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 to have lived a perfect life to get the blessing of God you, a lot of people, I, I, people somebody just told me in the last two weeks I, I'm just waiting until I get my life straightened out and then I'll come to church good to get God. You get God to get good. Amen. You get God to become. It's his power. It's his name. I preached it this morning. The preaching of the cross to the, to the world, it's foolishness. There are people that will tune into the live stream and they'll think it's foolish what I'm talking about. They'll disregard it because it's uneducated. 
Amen. Because it doesn't go along with their philosophy. Amen. But how many know the cross don't go along with philosophy? Amen. To to the world, it's foolishness. To the disputers of this world, it's foolish. But to us that are saved, to us that are called, it is the power of God. It's at the cross where you find the impossible is possible. It's at the cross you find deliverance for your sin. It's at the cross you find healing for your body. It's at the cross where you find deliverance for your family. It's at the cross where you find the blood to forgive you of your sin. It's at the cross where you find healing for your body, healing for your mind, and healing for your emotions. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Close your eyes. Every person begin to pray. Come on, lift your voice right now. There are needs in this building that are impossible. For us, they are impossible. For us, they're unreachable. But for God, they are doable. Somebody say amen. Cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He can do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He can do it. Get your faith out of man. Get your faith off the doctors. Put your faith in Jesus right now. Come on, put your faith in the word that I preached. It's not my power to heal anybody. It's my job to preach Jesus and him crucified. The spirit of God will do the rest. Come on, submit to that revelation this morning. If you're dealing with an impossible situation, why don't you step out of your seat, lift your hands, make your way down to this altar, lift your hands and pray right where you're at. If it's impossible. It might be impossible with the doctor. It might be impossible with man and our ability. But it's not impossible with God. Come on, somebody. Is that addiction too big for you? Step out of your seat and make your way down to this altar. Come on, is that lost loved one so far away that you think it'll never happen, that they're too far beyond being saved? I want you to step out, make your way down here, lift your hands to God and say, I put my faith and confidence in you. Come on, speak faith into it right now in the name of Jesus. Do you have sickness in your body that you need healing from? Come on, make your way down here. Step out. If you have diabetes that you're fighting, come on, step out. Come down here. Lift your hands to the Lord and ask him to touch you right now. It's the power of God. It's the power of the name of Jesus. It's the power of the word of God. If you have sin that you think is unforgivable, step out. Make your way down here. Come on, lift your hands and begin to call on the name of the Lord. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, respond to the word of the Lord today. Respond with faith. I believe it. I believe it. I don't put my faith in myself or my own ability. I put my, I put it in your hands. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus. Promise keeper, light 
men it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.